Welcome to Beyond Dollars and Cents. This is Holland Henderson, and this is the Risk and Reward Podcast. And today we have uh, two very special guests. How are you guys doing today? Very specially. <laughs> very <laughs> specially. <laughs> we have uh, Joshua Sitta and Trafinia Salzman with Citadel uh, Cybersecurity. How are you guys doing? Great, man. Thank you so much for, for spending some time with us here, Holland. Excited for the conversation that we're about to have. Risk and reward, mm-hmm. a, big, a big part of my history. It is. Mm-hmm. Well, how, how do you go ahead? Lay it on me. Okay, so I work in cybersecurity. <laughs> yes, you do. And cybersecurity professionals are known to make everything a technical challenge. There's bad guys out there who are trying to do bad things. And here's, let me tell you about the processes that they, they do a side channel SMB attack. And, they, <laughs> and it becomes a very technical conversation immediately. Mm-hmm. But they don't realize that they're doing loss prevention. They're using computers to do it, but we're really doing risk management. Mm-hmm. So when, when we go. make it a technical challenge, we lose sight of what the ultimate goal goal is. People stop listening very fast. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. How fast? How fast do people just start kind of turn their head to the side and they get a glazed look in their eyes when you're talking to them about cybersecurity? Well, Han, I'd love to tell you about a patch that Microsoft put out called MS zero one zero seventeen eleven. And that, of course, as you know, mm-hmm. um, helped patch the eternal blue vulnerability that was leaked by the NSA in uh, about 2015. I'm I'm nodding because <laughs> that's yeah. all I know uh-huh. what to do. It yep. is immediate. People don't care about how cybersecurity sausage is made. They just want to know that they're fine. Mm-hmm. They're that they're fine. That I completely. So, how do you find yourself in this world? Oh, good question. We started. We worked for a financial institution. We kept seeing businesses get taken advantage of time and time again. And in that financial institution, we worked in cybersecurity. And we tried to find like a solution for these businesses. We were like, there's got to be something out there. And there wasn't. So we had this harebrained scheme to create our own company. And that's where we are today. So do you, I mean, do you find a passion in what you're doing right now? I mean, I, the, o- the only word that yeah. you can say is yes yeah. after that. Yes. I mean, yeah. For me, it's cops and robbers. Really? It's, yeah, it is. Mm-hmm. It, you know, as a boy, I read comic books and I was into superheroes and I wanted to be one. But look at me. I'm not. <laughs> well, this is radio, so there's the benefit of not. <laughs> oh, I think I think my physical appearance carries through my voice. I think people know who is speaking. Oh. Uh, I look like I'm gonna help you with the I don't know a, a math problem. Has anyone? Whenever you someone said, "What do you do?" You say cybersecurity. They go, "Yeah, that figures." Yes, absolutely. That happens yeah. often. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And they're like, after your professional football career ended with that sports injury. <laughs> right. No. Hmm. Anyway, but for me, I was mm-hmm. I was fantasizing about being a hero. I can't save a damsel in distress, but the moment mm-hmm. there are computers that that damsel is relying on to make ends meet, suddenly I'm valuable. Mm. So there's a huge there's a huge yeah. um, passion that I have for this, and that's just because I am suddenly relevant after computers become ubiquitous. Mm-hmm. So do people pursue Citadel after they've had problems, or is it is it moving more proactive? So I would like to say that it is moving mm-hmm. towards more proactive. Um, about uh, 4% of small businesses are going out of business every year because of cybersecurity attacks. And I think in the BNI groups or whatever networking groups that are around there, people don't want to share that same um, horror story. So I think that there is a discussion that is being had that drives some interest before there's a problem. But usually, if we get a conversation that I am not starting about cybersecurity, 
it's because the bad guys have already stolen something. Because mm-hmm. that's usually when people realize cybersecurity is a threat to them. Mm-hmm. So education is everything. I would say in, in I know in yes. my space it is. I would imagine in the cybersecurity space, education is. So when does it become, you know, kind of like smoking is bad for you or you should mm-hmm. wear your seatbelt where it's entered the ether and it's a common, like you should do this? I see it happening slowly because we're, well, like the next generation, like my younger sister's, And I think our kids, they're going to grow up with security in mind. Whereas like our, well, the older generations, the people that have been around for a while, they're not used to having to even think about security because, I mean, the first virus was in 2000, right? The I love you virus. Uh, Late 90s. Yeah. And so it's relatively new in the grand scheme of things. So I think we're getting closer and closer to security is like, oh, I need my CPA. I need a lawyer. I need a cybersecurity advisor. I think how, we're getting closer to that. How, I mean, it's it's almost like the, I, I can't tell you when Norton antivirus and all that, it doesn't <laughs> seem, it just seems like it comes along with the package, mm-hmm. right? So when did that transform? Let me tell you about a company <laughs> called <laughs> Norton Antivirus. Yeah, I, I don't <laughs> The know. leading name in small business security mm-hmm. for the last 30 years Norton Antivirus now is a crypto miner. It is itself malware. It is the thing that it is preventing. When you install the, yeah. the newest version of Norton Antivirus. How does the good guy become the bad guy? You're not supposed to tell that story. That's, that, but that money. is, it is all about, it is oh, all yeah. about money. Risk and reward. There you yeah. go. Risk and reward. Um, so, yeah, you've basically, you've trained small businesses to expect a bottom shelf experience from their mm-hmm. whatever cybersecurity tools are available to them. If it's the yellow antivirus or it's the red antivirus, that's the only thing that they do for their business. Meanwhile, the bad guys are laughing because, well, this has not been relevant for a decade or more. Um, there are so many other pillars of security that are necessary and are way more valuable than the antivirus. We look at people who are spending money on antivirus today and we say, did you know that one's built in with the computer that you bought? Mm-hmm. Is there yeah. a reason that you switched from that? Yeah. Well, I heard that I was supposed to buy an antivirus. Okay, well, you achieved your goal. If you'd like to talk about stopping criminals, you have different goals, and we need a different strategy. Mm-hmm. So when did it make that shift to where it was you know, built into the systems and then continual updates to where now you've, you have to have a full suite of protection? I guess I don't know when the the shift happened, but I'll tell you when it happened for me. Um, I, I was working for a bank. I was actually just telling Kevin about this, um, but I was I was working for a bank, and um, the FBI came to us and they explained that oh, we were, a big deal that that mm-hmm. we and and about twenty other banks were um, being targeted by uh, a, a hacking group called Lazarus. Lazarus is the North Korean nation sponsored um, hacking group. They're the most prolific, most successful financial a financially motivated hacking group in history, and we knew that they were going to get into all of our defenses. So we didn't set um, we didn't set our goal at preventing them from getting in. We set our goal at mm-hmm. preventing them from being able to achieve what they were trying to accomplish by getting in. Are they looking for sensitive information? Great. Then installing a virus on a computer doesn't give them sensitive information. That's a means to an end. They still have to steal it. Yeah. If we can shut them down before they steal it, mm-hmm. great. We've we've been successful. So for us, we had to move instantly in 2015. We had to move the goalpost away from trying to prevent things uh, from happening 
and we had to move it to how do we control a cybersecurity incident before it's successful? And since we work, our, our whole background is in financial services, mm-hmm. all 100% of our effort is how do we navigate a cybersecurity incident that makes it past your yellow or red or white or whatever color antivirus? And how do we prevent it from costing you any money? Because that's the only reason that people are spending on cybersecurity anyway, because it's loss prevention. So mm-hmm. would a good analogy be you're locking the robbers in the vault? Uh, we we lock them in the vault, and then we perform our investigation, mm-hmm. and then we come back to those robbers, and we say, uh, you got to go forever, and we handle them. <laughs> <laughs> Fantastic. That's an, actually an upcharge. That's right. right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> well, let's go ahead and take our first break, and we'll be right back. All right, and we're back with the co-founders from Citadel. So can you explain to me a very simple mind when it comes to this? What exactly is the product that Citadel gives? Mm -hmm. Um, I would say our product is it's a different approach to security is really what it it boils down to. Uh, I think in the last segment we talked a little bit about uh, the cops and robbers and getting them in the vault. Mm -hmm. But what we do is that's a matter of thinking it through like, we're trying to do cybersecurity effectively, not complete. And that's why it's it's just better. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. You know, um, I'm kind of boasting a little bit about some of our accomplish uh, accomplishments for working for a $40 billion bank. And we realized that those same threats are facing the small business owner today, mm-hmm. but there's not a solution for them because the enterprise security tools that you need have this huge contract floor, right? To get started with this thing, you got to spend $30,000. If you can't have a minimum order of $30,000, we don't want to talk with you. And that's the reason small businesses get relegated to Norton antivirus. Mm -hmm. Well, we know that there needs to be something different. So we committed ourselves to figuring out how to provide the same security program that we provided for a $40 billion bank down to a small business owner. It is the same tools that we use. It is the same technology. It is the same talent. It's the same people. It's just right-sized. It's right-sized. Exactly. You don't have to afford the minimum contract, Mm -hmm. and you don't have to pay the salary of the person because we distribute. We we treat every small business like they all add up to one giant $40 billion financial institution. Mm -hmm. That's brilliant. So the product is really peace of mind. We do the work for you, and we let you know how that work gets done. But you don't have to do that work yourself. Mm-hmm. So a lot of your website talks about financial companies, healthcare companies, mm-hmm. real estate. Is that because that's the largest amount of need or is that because that's a specialty? I would say uh, those industries are typically highly regulated. So they, yes, they understand <laughs> <laughs> they understand that they need cybersecurity. So it's an easy conversation to have. But we believe that every business needs cybersecurity. If you're doing business, if you are adding to the local economy in your community, then you are intertwined with everyone else. That means that if you are compromised, everyone else around you is compromised. So you need to take ownership of your business and get the cybersecurity that you need. You're not just doing business with everyone that you're doing business with, Mm -hmm. but also with everyone that you're doing business with is doing business. So it's just six degrees of Kevin Bacon, right? I yeah. mean, you, yeah. so if you're compromised, it really is yes. an issue in the armor. Right. Yeah. So one of the yeah. things that we try to help people understand is you're providing that service to your customer, Yeah. but you represent a business risk to your customer. Mm-hmm. The moment you have uh, the inability to control your cybersecurity risk and it affects that customer, they're no longer your customer. 
So, you know, when we bring up the individual, number one, should you, as a, as a customer, right, mm -hmm. as a customer or a client of a company, should you assess the security that you, of a place that you're doing business with? And if, if yes, then how? Mm -hmm. We had a, uh, a billing company that uh, they do a lot of work for a Fortune 500 company. Um, they got a great book of business and everything is hunky-dory. They've never had to have a formal cybersecurity strategy or a plan or the yellow antivirus has always been enough for them. But that Fortune 500 company, they sure do go under a lot of scrutiny because of SOX audits and things like that. So they failed their vendor risk management procedures. They had an audit for that and they said, the way that you are evaluating the risk of all the people that are in your supply chain is not competent enough for the risk that you represent mm -hmm. to the American public. Wow. So now mm -hmm. our billing company, who's a small business, yeah. uh, works alongside of us. We see them all the time just out you know, at the grocery store. Mm -hmm. All of a sudden, they have to have a cybersecurity program that is capable to sustain the cybersecurity risk of a Fortune 500 company. Holy smokes. They were given 30 days to build a complete, compliant, and acceptable cybersecurity program, or it was a legal cease and desist is what it was. And... Um, when they came to us, they felt like they had no options. And we said, this is the easiest thing ever for us. We can do it. We can, abso yeah. <laughs> we can absolutely help you with things like vendor risk management. Yeah. Um, because we've done it at the highest level. So mm -hmm. we can certainly do it for you. So the answer to the question would be, yes, you should be assessed because you're going to be assessed by the people that you're doing business with. Correct. Absolutely. Mm -hmm. So if everybody's strong, then it works. Yes. We do, we do make the concession that option one is always to do nothing. Just yeah. accept. <laughs> yeah. Right? But yeah. listen, like, hear me out on this. There is a viable cybersecurity strategy that is, I'm not going to make any investments in cybersecurity, but if I do that, I need to plan for what is going to happen when the cybersecurity incident comes. Mm -hmm. So if I've got a lot of data and I don't want to spend on ransomware prevention, then what I need to do is figure out how am I going to recover all this data data when the ransomware eventually does come? And that becomes the beginning of your free DIY cybersecurity strategy. And that's a starting point. Mm -hmm. So uh, cybersecurity insurance, do they have requirements that have to be met as well? They do. They're, I'm actually working with an insurance agent now just looking over to be able to educate her clients on the cybersecurity requirements. And it is extensive. I was looking at it and I was like, you have to have a pretty high certification to even understand these items here. We've got a customer who was asked if they had a leading endpoint detection and response tool mm -hmm. enabled on their system. Mm -hmm. they, they're, they, they're an investment firm. They don't know yeah. what those words mean in that order. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. How, how is he supposed to say, yes, we have that or no, we don't, when he doesn't understand what he's even being asked? Yes, it's by the fire extinguisher. Right, right. <laughs> yeah. uh, we right. keep it in a drawer. <laughs> That's right. But when you have a when you have a business owner who is suddenly in the role of the chief information security officer of their organization, mm -hmm. but they don't have the language, they still have to tell the insurance company what elements of their security program they have. Then when it comes time for them to engage the insurance company because they've had some kind of a cybersecurity loss, the adjuster comes out and says, great, you said you've got the endpoint detection and response tool. I just need to see some evidence of that before we render your payout. Mm -hmm. In every case, when we would perform the remediation for a, for a company that was expecting to be paid by an insurance company, in every case, there was a reason that they didn't qualify for a payout. Mm -hmm. 
it is very difficult for a business owner to get a, a cybersecurity plan that is going to cover their costs just because there's such a knowledge gap in what they're actually being asked to certify. And that's what I feel in mm-hmm. it is that you know the threat's out there. You know it's a big deal, but it just feels like a huge leap if you don't work in that field, in your field, mm-hmm. every single day. So I think everybody would agree who, who knows anything about business and you know a little bit about cybersecurity is the expansive cost that is coming up. And so one of the things I learned on, you know, just kind of thumbing through your website was the healthcare stat. Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah. So explain a little bit more about that. So let me speak a little more generally than just healthcare, mm-hmm. um, because because this is a common problem regardless of your industry, regardless of what your you, what your what your business is trying to do. But we've trained business owners to expect that this is this is the way that they are supposed to buy cybersecurity. You got email, well you need the email security tool, and you got the computer, so you got to buy the antivirus. Mm-hmm. You're not using a network, are you? You are. You need the network security appliance. Yeah. But there's three different network security. All these costs stack and stack and stack on each other. And that's when we get into trouble by treating this like a technical challenge. Mm -hmm. Right. We have to, in order to be ethical about what we're doing, we have to be able to say the amount of money that you are spending on your cybersecurity program is way, way, way less than the amount of money that you would, uh, that it would cost you to navigate through those cybersecurity incidents without making this investment. It has to make dollars and cents, or else why are we buying all these mm-hmm. extra tools? You can only make smart investments in cybersecurity once you understand what your unique business's cybersecurity risk looks like. So, so do you think that it's moving towards the way of being boutique like many other businesses? People want a very specific to them? No. No. Okay, <laughs> I don't think perfect. I don't yeah. think so just because looking at the corporations, the governments, they all have these check boxes that they have to fill. And that's why our approach is so different because we look at it as a whole. We say, okay, how can we support the businesses drive to get profit or whatever value add that you are doing in society? How can cybersecurity support that mission statement Got it. rather than we need to do the network firewall and the everything else? It's just taking a look at it from a big picture. So take the example of our billing company that we talked about. After we set up that cybersecurity program for them, they could now market their services to banks, to major financial institutions, to other Fortune 500 companies because cybersecurity is now their differentiator. Mm -hmm. Yes, we can handle the billing just like all the other options down the street can, but we can sure certify that your information is going to be safe when you use us because we use Citadel. That's incredible. So how much is it costing Americans in cybersecurity losses as far as business is concerned? So take the average cost of a ransomware incident. For a small business today, you're looking at the ransom costing about $54,000 to $130,000. That's the range for a small business's ransomware, just the ransom itself. But once you start stacking up lost revenue, system downtime, occasionally it is weeks and weeks, but let's just say the average of two weeks of paid time off for your employees that wasn't scheduled, Mm -hmm. the average cost is now well over a million dollars. If you don't plan for this in advance, and that could be with a cybersecurity investment to control that risk and bring down the expense, or it could be to have a plan for what you do, how do you respond to that situation, you're looking at a spike in um, what your costs are that are going to crush that business. 
All right, well, let's go ahead and take our second break, and we'll be right back. And we're back with Joshua and Trefinia from Citadel. Um, you said socks audit, and I'm telling you that mm-hmm. stuck in my brain because I'm like, I do a socks audit <laughs> yeah. every now and then. I've got llamas on my stock, socks right now. <laughs> Is that anything close? No. <laughs> do, a, do a sock audit? Did you say a sock audit? A socks audit. Sarbanes-Oxley. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So sure. Depending on the size or the, the nature of your business, you might find that you qualify for industry requirements that you didn't realize when you began. So if you are a publicly traded company, which you're probably not if you're listening, but if you are, or if you do a substantial service for a publicly traded company, yeah. you're going to have to perform SOX audits through this legislature that's called the Sar- Sarbanes-Oxley Act. And it's a you need a third party's perspective on how you manage your cybersecurity risk. But even if you're not in the SOX uh, arena or everybody knows about HIPAA compliance if you're healthcare. Mm-hmm. Um, if you have customers who are in California or New York today, there's about eight states currently where they have passed their own privacy legislation where if a situation happens and you accidentally give away some information about a California customer, well, all of a sudden you have three days to perform a forensic review and you have to perform uh, all this incident declaration, you have to communicate back with the customers that are in California to let them know about that stuff. If you are unaware about the CCPA or the NYPA or the FLPA that is currently, uh, it looks like it's going to be passed, then the fines that are facing you, they are stiff. The government's way of handling small businesses who have been asleep at the wheel as they continue to kind of be the backbone of mm-hmm. America's infrastructure is by tightening the screws on what is required and the way that they are handling that is making the penalties for not meeting those requirements very stiff because that's the fastest way to get people to understand this is a serious issue so do you think the requirements and what they're leading to you are adequate for protection or do you think that it needs to go beyond that no i think in many cases i think that they are going too far so we'll take we'll take europe as an example the gdpr most people i think they are aware of what this is If they don't know that it is the GDPR, they know it as the thing that makes every website tell you that they use cookies. Mm -hmm. Okay. We don't need that. That is not useful. Mm -hmm. You don't have to pay a web guy to tell you about the cookies because nobody profits from that. Nobody benefits from that information. If you have European customers and you have a data incident, you have 72 hours to perform a complete forensic review. Computer forensics, digital forensics and incident response is probably the most difficult and hard to come by cybersecurity discipline. Mm -hmm. It is simply not possible to complete a full forensic review in three days. So everybody is failing these uh, to meet these regulations. So anybody who has the cybersecurity incident is now being kicked while they're down because now they have to pay fines inevitably on top of the costs that just, they just had money stolen out of their bank account. They don't have the operating budget to be able to shell out for a stiff fine. In Florida, what is being passed right now is if you sell anything, if you're a retail store, for example, or if you are a drop shipper or any number of small business retail outlets and you sell something that would go into somebody's medicine cabinet, that's the classification, not medicine, Mm -hmm. but if it would go into the medicine cabinet, which includes things like toothpaste or Mm -hmm. mouthwash, If you sell that information to your customers and you maintain a customer database, and all of us do, then when you have a cybersecurity incident, 
you're covered under HIPAA. Suddenly you become, you have the same responsibilities that a HIPAA covered entity has because they are saying that you are leaking out medical information because Holy it belongs smart. in a medical. This is, this is too far. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So I don't know, I don't know how we are really going to um, correct that, but maybe, uh, maybe there is some credence that we can give to the government's perspective, which is they have to overcompensate because of how long mm-hmm. people have just kind of deferred the responsibility of treating information with the kind of care that it deserves. So as the private sector, are we behind? Oh, yeah. In, okay. Oh, yeah. I mean, you can start, we were we were working with a, uh, a, a small tax preparer. Mm-hmm. Um, and, you know, to be, become a tax preparer, you need a couple of things. Well, you need to have your LLC together, of course, and some mm-hmm. of that stuff. But the IRS sets all these requirements for how you are supposed to handle data security. They tell you that you need a data security plan, but they don't define that. Well, if you just sit together and you're like, okay, well, step one, I'm going to back up the data on USB drives. Is that sufficient? How are you to know if you're violating this thing that would be a federal crime for you to check the box on uh, on the form that you have to certify that you perform this thing it's called the p10 mm-hmm. if you check the p10 form that says we have a data security plan and it is not an irs compliant data security plan you've committed a felony <laughs> good heavens how does the one person tax preparer yeah. who says i'm pretty good at the accounting i think i can do this on the side how can they possibly check that box with confidence well they don't they check it with ignorance and then when mm-hmm. there's a problem well that, that's whenever you've got to flush it out yeah mm-hmm. wow so have we seen an uptick since 2020 of cyber crimes? <laughs> I like this question because I, can't wait. I, I don't think so. Okay. I think there's been an uptick in marketing and the news cycle and everything. Um, I think it's been around since the early 2000s. The same kind of financial malicious software has been there the whole time. It's just the news have really put a, I don't know, magnifying glass on all of these incidents that have happened. I mean, what do you think, Joshua? Well, we do know that that there has been an increase in what has been reported. Mm-hmm. People are now, and partly this is because of our, our new privacy legislature, you have to report to law enforcement and specific kinds of law enforcement if you've had a cybersecurity incident. And uh, the deputy director of the FBI, he's reported that the rate of cybersecurity incident reports has increased by 300% since the beginning of COVID. Mm-hmm. So this problem... It may not be three times worse than it was, but we are certainly getting three times the amount of data on cybersecurity breaches. Mm-hmm. Why do you think that is? Why do you think that they are reporting more now? Because if they don't, it costs them money. Mm-hmm. You'll That's have it. to pay additional fines. And there is now like, if I file a, a cybersecurity incident claim against an insurance provider, they are mandated to report that to law enforcement. So there's better communication between um, between all parts that are going to be involved in in a cybersecurity incident. So if there is an incident, is is Citadel one of the companies that you would that would do the audit as well? So no, we would call that um, compliance. Mm-hmm. We don't do any compliance. Think of us as the outsourced information security department. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. We're gonna we're gonna kick the hackers out for sure. We'll help you with like your patches and things like that. Um, but we are not going to be the person who comes in and says. Oh, let's grade our own paper. Yeah. Yes, we pass with flying colors. Sure. Mm-hmm. We work with some big auditing companies like Crow and some other ones to provide that that kind of uh, uh, that neutral third party's perspective on if the cybersecurity programs we are setting up are up to snuff. Mm-hmm. And so far, with a hundred percent pass rate, we've we've heard that we're doing a good job. 
How has it been to run a business in what seems to be a very fast-paced, changing world? I mean, adaptability is everything. Boy. I love it. Yeah? Yeah, I think it plays to our strengths and plays to our personalities well. I mean, what's the plan? I mean, obviously, I'm not asking for details, but how do you as co-founders plan to continue to keep your company on its toes? It is the oldest piece of inspiration we could possibly have. (laughs) We are inspired Mm -hmm. by a blacksmith who lived hundreds of years ago by the way he said, I'm going to do things different because I think my way is better. Mm -hmm. It turns out he was right. He's a blacksmith named Ulfbear. He made these swords that were better than everybody else's swords in the day. And there's all this historic fiction about how he was so committed to the quality of his product, even though it was different than the way everybody else was doing things. That when the Vikings ultimately descended on his camp, they were like, oh, hang on, we can't kill this guy. We got to make him like a king among the rest of us. Let's bring him back so that we can have these guys' swords that we've been finding littered around the battlefields and we've been using as war trophies. Mm-hmm. Let's bring this guy back with him. Imagine being so committed to doing the best work that you can do that it could literally save your life. That is our first core value. That's where we start everything that we do. Mm -hmm. But here's the reason I'm laughing while we talk about this. (laughs) Cybersecurity, from a solution perspective, Mm -hmm. it's not changing. People are still solving problems the same way that they did 10 years ago. You need antivirus and you need a firewall. And if you got that, you're preventing the bad guys from getting in. Mm -hmm. Well, guess what, Holland? Every time you've (laughs) ever seen a cybersecurity headline... Target had a cybersecurity. They had the firewall. They had the antivirus. Mm -hmm. Home Depot had that. The bank down the street, they had that. All these companies have the same traditional approaches to security. What they don't have is a team that can kick things out once it gets through that. Mm -hmm. The deputy director of the FBI, he went out there and saying it is an inevitability for small businesses that you're going to have a cybersecurity. It is not a question of if, but a question of when. So what is the plan for what happens when it gets through? So do you, are you saying that attacks are mainly based in the path of least least resistance, right? Uh, they're going, I mean, they're testing it and then it's an open door, so we're just going to take it. Oh, sure. The, the, the amount of new novel malware that comes out every day, it puts your modern antivirus to shame. If antivirus mm-hmm. hasn't seen it before, it's not effective in stopping it because it's never seen it before. So somebody always has to be the first person who gets to teach the world's antiviruses (laughs) that there's a new piece of malware out there, which means your traditional forms of security are always playing catch up. Mm -hmm. And that's how bad guys get in. Mm -hmm. They keep trying over and over and over. It's automated. It runs 24 hours a day on servers on the other side of the world. Just by being connected to the internet, you are constantly under attack. Mm -hmm. So gone are the days that we can say, Oh, I'm just a little podunk hot dog cart. Nobody know about me. Nobody want my money. Nobody even knows I exist. If you have a bank account, if you use a computer to connect to the internet, if you save information anywhere on the internet, you're constantly being scanned. And sooner or later, they're going to find that vulnerability. Mm -hmm. When they get in, what do you do? That's great. Let's go ahead and take our last break and we'll be right back. And we're back with the co-founders of Citadel, Trefinia, and Joshua. Thank you guys for coming on the podcast. I, I just wanted to say that before our last segment. It's a pleasure to be here. Yeah. Has it, has it been fun? Can't wait for the next time. Oh. <laughs> oh, we've guaranteed a next slot. I like it. Okay. I'm down. Okay. Let's do it. All right. So uh, what is your favorite malware? 
Okay, my favorite malware. Most interesting, yeah. Yeah, it's a it's a virus that's called the I Love You virus mm-hmm. that Trafini has alluded one. to. It was made by a uh, a Filipino student mm-hmm. who, honestly, he planned world domination. Okay. He applied for a job with uh, one of the companies that we've talked about, and they said, "Get lost, man! You sound like a crazy person." He was a student. His <laughs> thesis was on how you could uh-huh. use malware to increase the government in- infrastructure in the Philippines. Interesting, right? That he, is. He's like a mad scientist. Mm-hmm. And then they told him to get lost, and he said. Uh, hang on, I've got a unique set of skills and abilities here. Mm-hmm. Uh, I'm going to unleash something on this world <laughs> if you don't re- reconsider. They, he actually said that. You're not joking. I am not. Yes, it's on the Wikipedia. I love you, virus. It's <laughs> mm-hmm. You'll see all the information it's of it there. Very transparent. And it is considered to be the most costly cybersecurity of incident of all time. Billions of dollars in damages. And this is all it was. It was what we call a Visual Basic script, which uh-huh. is something that you can still receive by email today unless you have set up some controls that would block this. But it's a it's an attachment that'll come over email, and all it does is it looks through your contacts. Mm-hmm. And it says, let me send each of these guys an email. And the email is titled, I love you. And there's an attachment. It attaches itself to those emails. And the attachment is is called uh, it's called I love you. And in the body of the email, it says, "Hey, I you know I've been thinking about you. I miss you, and I made this little greeting card for you." And when you click on it, it does the same thing over. Now it's going through your attachments, <laughs> and it does this in uh-huh. in the it does this at a time when servers were not as good as they are today. Yeah. So all of a sudden, millions of systems that are connected to the internet are constantly sending emails, and all of the s- servers get overloaded. We talk about this on our podcast in very great detail, uh, mm-hmm. detail but the U- United States Army declared a state of emergency for email. <laughs> no. um, it, uh-huh. it halted commerce during the dot-com boom, and it just began with a little greeting uh-huh. card and a man scorned. Uh-huh. So that was really the first you know, involvement yeah. of costly malware. Mm-hmm. And it was one of the most costly. Mm-hmm. That's right, yeah. And all of a sudden we realized you can't just set up the the thing that blocks it because now there's a copycat and now there's another copycat. And your cybersecurity systems, which blocked the first threat, they have to learn about the second threat. Or you could use a team of people to make that those changes proactively on your behalf so that you're always keeping pace with the threats that are at hand. But if your threats, if, if your defenses aren't evolving, it's just the next threat that's going to get you. Yeah. So what happened to that guy? Where's he at? So this is great. <laughs> this is great. So the legislature didn't exist. There yeah. were not, yeah. there were not penalties mm-hmm. for this. Nothing stuck. So they got him on a crime that hadn't, it was a, it was a very old piece of legislature in the Philippines. Um, they called it malicious mischief, uh-huh. which is basically a misdemeanor. So he spent a couple of days away and maybe had a small fine. Did anybody ever hire this guy? That's, I mean, the dust, the the trail has dusty trail. The trail has, has gone, gone cold. cold. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. Mm-hmm. That that's the best story I've heard all day. Oh man, <laughs> you should listen story. to our podcast. Yeah, I will. So where where can people find your podcast at? Yeah, all mm-hmm. of the ways to communicate with us or hear everything we say is right on the website. That's Citadel.com, S-I-T-T-A-D-E-L.com. I'm Joshua Sitta, mm-hmm. S-I-T-T-A, and Citadel.com. Mm-hmm. So how'd y'all come up with the name? <laughs> you know, <laughs> I opened a fortune cookie and it was right there. That's fantastic. So do you, are we are we um, employing enough students through school, right? Because that's where students go, mm-hmm. is school. 
I mean, are we are we graduating enough people within the cybersecurity space to be able to take care of the requirements that we see in the future? That's what we're trying to make sure that happens. We sit on two college boards right now to help develop their cybersecurity program. And then Joshua is going to be working with a high school that's local in this community to make sure that we have those students. A high school is getting a cybersecurity yeah. program, so a, cool. a lab, a professional uh-huh. development mm-hmm. center. Yeah. I believe it was Tim Cook from Apple said that the most valuable language you can learn right now is coding. Hmm. Right. Mm-hmm. So it wasn't. Who's Apple? Right. I've never heard of them. It's a fruit company. Don't worry okay. about it. <laughs> so, I mean, would you agree with that? Uh, the more we understand about computers, about co- the integral workings, do you think that helps or that's not really that important? Hard pass. <laughs> I think there's uh, uh, both. You, Yes, we have the technical. You need the technical. But, man, you got to be able to talk to a human. That's true, um, too. Because, and that's really what we value at Citadel. We not only attack the technical problem, but you have to attack the human problem. And it's the emotions. I mean, think about it. If you are you get that ransomware notice, your emotions are extremely heightened. It's yes. your livelihood that is on the line. And if you don't have someone that you can call that is, uh, that is your friend or a trusted person that you can talk to about this thing, then, I mean, you're as good as Norton Antivirus at that <laughs> point. 50% of our employees are very highly credentialed, some mm-hmm. of the highest cybersecurity certifi- certifications that you can get, mm-hmm. and have had a ton of experience. Yeah. And the other 50% of our roster is people who make people feel good mm-hmm. when they are talking to them. Yeah. We don't really need more nerds. No. We need people who can translate a cybersecurity challenge into a business challenge mm-hmm. so that a business owner can make an educated, well-informed decision on mm. what the right uh, next step would be. Mm-hmm. I like it. That's a pairing that I can get behind. Yes. So we always finish the podcast with two questions. What are you reading or listening to right now that's motivating you in your business or your life? Mm-hmm. Um, right now I'm reading um, Great by Choice. So uh, Jim Collins has written that, and that's been – I really like his stuff, and I've been kind of in that pocket. I've read his monograph about the flywheel and – just been diving into that as far as listening i don't listen to anything right now (laughs) i used to listen to podcasts there's a lot out there but right now i'm just valuing silence she she meant she listens to the citadel podcast i listen to the citadel podcast i do listen to that yeah just to make sure you don't mess up (laughs) for me i don't know if you know this but starting a business launching a business running a business is very hard I have taken the last three years of my life and I have mortgaged every other area of my life in service of building this company. Mm -hmm. And it has caught up with me. My wife is a saint and she has tolerated things she should have never tolerated. Mm. And what has recently come to light is some uh, some mental illnesses that I have honed (laughs) over these last three years. So I'm listening to a podcast called um, The Place We Find Ourselves, mm-hmm. which is a it's a it's a fantastic mental health podcast. They're about 15 minutes long. Oh, that's cool. And it can teach you a lot about how you interact with the world. Mm-hmm. Oh, that's brilliant. I think we all need to listen to that. Yeah. So where are you most encouraged by the world around you or in your business? Um, I would say it's other entrepreneurs, other business owners. I love that we are able to have that conversation with other business owners, not just in the cybersecurity space, but all all over financial, healthcare, whatever. Because I don't know, I grew up in a small business home. And so it hits really close to my heart to be able to see these people 
like working so hard at the thing that they're so good at mm. and to be able to give everything that they have to this community, it's, I love it. And I get encouraged every time I talk to a person like that. Yeah, we, we work outside of Lakeland too, but mm-hmm. Relic Tickets, Mike and Mike's, yeah. uh, Hook Security, Spark Building, these, these local businesses, mm-hmm. the way that they are innovating in their own fields, it is inspiring. Yeah. That's really cool. So are you saying ditto to the question? I'm just, uh, I'm, she tossed it up and I slam dunked it. You did. Fantastic. Well, again, I appreciate you both coming on the podcast and uh, just hanging out with me for a little bit. Uh, again, this is Holland Henderson, financial advisor with Allen & Company. Go to alleninvestments.com. There's a lot of great information out there with uh, blogs and podcasts uh, from people that are cooler than I am. All right. So have a great day. The opinions voiced in this podcast are for general information only and are not intended to provide specific advice or recommendations for any individual. To determine which strategies or investments may be suitable for you, consult with an appropriate qualified professional prior to making a decision. Guests appearing on the show and their respective companies are not affiliated with LPL Financial and Allen & Company. Securities and advisory services offered through LPL Financial, a registered investment advisor. Member FINRA SIPC.